0: Hi folks, this is Lim K5AABJ, and the last name is Bailey. Uh, could be a cousin to R- to Richard. It's definitely not a kissing cousin, though. And you're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. Hello everybody, coming to you from the basement of the International Bigfoot Tipping Institute here in, oh my gosh, Wisconsin, this is KB5JBV and you're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. Let me introduce the host of our program off in the far north end of the studio building in Studio One North, Russ, K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ.
1: Hello everybody. Uh, live from Studio 1N, deep in the Pine Forest between the peaks of north-central Arkansas. This is Russ, K5TUX. And let me introduce our co-co-host for the evening, who is our special friend, our beloved uh, show notes creator, and just a guy who's in the background doing a bang-up job, Bill.
2: KA9WKA, you know him, you love him, take a bow, Bill. Good evening, Ross. Good evening, Richard. Thanks for letting me be on again. No problem. Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. Since I guess we're I gonna... must be in Studio One Extreme North then, huh? <laughs> Being north of Chicago.
1: Yep, you're in Studio One uh, W, which is just north of, oh my gosh, Wisconsin, where I once bought some <laughs> cheese. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna shoulder Bill with most of the responsibility for this episode. So all hate mail should go to W nine or K nine W K A at LHS Podcast info. We'll get that out does right. does work. Uh, no, but that's okay. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> I would like to make a point. I would like to uh, interject at this particular junction that Bill is joining us tonight, courtesy of uh, Bill K nine W K A is awesome dot com. Bill K A nine W K A is awesome dot com. We'd like to thank the folks over there for letting us borrow Bill for this evening. Uh You guys go ahead.
1: No, I think I'm about done, and I'm sure Bill wants to collect his thoughts before we basically give him the episode. So go ahead and uh, bring us in, Richard.
0: Oh well, thought collection. Thought collection is always wonderful. All right, it's been a bang up week around here. We ain't done a shooting, sh- uh, shooting, beeping nothing. Uh huh. Almost said it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> in fact, for those of y'all listening, and I'm sure this will get cut out. That uh, we we've been screwing around for the last 45 minutes trying to figure out what to bring y'all this time. But that's okay. That's okay because we got Bill. Bill's going to talk to us about Dayton because uh, Russ was stuck in the hall the whole time because uh, Cheryl Jones, who incidentally joins us th- due to thanks to CherylJones.com, uh, y'all go over there and check it out. Uh, had him wrapped up in the hall the whole time he was there. There were little kids running around, something called four days in May. We really need somebody to come explain that to us because Russ was there and didn't see none of it. But that's okay. Bill was there. Bill saw it all. He knows everything that happened out there.
1: Wow, I put an end to that in a hurry.
0: Sorry, I got distracted. (laughs) Okay. case of bad English.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had some bad English I could play.
0: And it's probably, <laughs> and it's probably good that Richard didn't go because Richard, well, everybody knows Richard ain't right. Well, that's very true. So, uh, what we're going to do tonight is Bill going to talk to us a little bit about Dayton. Russ going to talk to us a little bit about Dayton. I think Russ has got some audio. He may or may not have it. I don't know. Let's put him on the spot. Uh, Bill, Bill may have some audio. I don't know if he does or doesn't, but that's okay because Bill, you need to go check out Bill's side over it. Bill K9WKA is awesome dot com. Uh you need to go on over and check it out to see what he's got going over there and, and everything else. Now, when you can't access the website, make sure that when you can't access the website that you send Bill a tacky email. Send Bill a tacky email. Don't send it to me or us because we're not the webmasters. Send those emails to Bill is at gmail dot com. Bill is at gmail dot com. Okay,
1: okay. So, uh, so, so there's some guy in Modesto, California. No, I didn't get to go to Dayton.
0: Um, there's some so. guy in
1: Modesto, California, who's going to get a ton of email after this episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so you two guys made it to Dayton. I didn't make it because I got family issues. Hell, I had family issues before we started. Who wants to start off? Who was there most often? Who was there longest? Who had the most fun?
1: Well, I'm, I think I was there the longest, but I'm willing
2: to bet that Bill had the most fun.
0: Well, there you go. So what's up, Bill? How was Dayton?
2: Dayton was terrific. We had a great time. I went with a friend of mine, and uh, we had a blast walking around the place and looking at all the stuff and uh, generally just absorbing that extravagance that is Dayton. Um, even ran into to Russ and Cheryl at the booth that... Was terrific. It wasn't the best location, I guess, but uh, they were always busy, which I think is uh, a good thing. Um, otherwise, the the place was crowded. I heard uh, not long ago that they had something in excess of 19,000 people show up, which is, I believe, uh, a little higher attendance than they had over the last couple of years. So uh, overall, a success, I guess, for all involved.
1: Uh, That's because they heard we were going to be there. That bumped the attendance up about 2,200 or so, I think.
2: I'm sure that's that's why.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that it was, too. And since we have no data one way or the other, then it is absolutely the truth, and you can't (laughs) prove me wrong otherwise. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, I did manage to get there and sit in the booth a lot, and we were really busy. And thanks to the guys at Ohio Linux Fest who brought about 100 Ubuntu CDs, we were able to give those out. To folks who, who stopped by the booth, and we told everybody about Linux. We told everybody about the podcast. We got lots of people interested. And even though we were tucked away in the corner, and if anybody here has been to the Hera Arena before, you know how complicated that building is. And if you haven't and decide to go sometime, just remember how complicated that building is. So, how many times did you get lost, Bill? And, and first of all, how many times have you been to Dayton before? Was this your first time, or you, are you a veteran?
2: Well, not quite a novice, but uh, not quite a veteran either. This was my second tour. Uh, I was there two years ago, and uh, that was my first time. And yes, the Hera Arena is a maze. I suspect it's three or four buildings that they just tied together over the years, uh, because a lot of it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) But uh, that's part of the adventure, I guess. You're lost without one of the programs, and... When we arrived uh, Friday afternoon, I was dismayed to discover that they had run out of programs and uh, weren't going to have any for several hours. So we kind of took our lives in our hands and wandered around without any assistance from maps or anything like that. And uh, it was easy to get turned around and lost.
1: Well, I only saw a little bit of the exhibition, like I said, our little corner of the world, so to speak. And uh, I didn't get lost too often. The the biggest thing was making sure to know exactly where the bathrooms were and exactly how to get to them. That way you never had to worry about it. Uh, The only thing you had to worry about is the one that was closest to us also happened to be closest to the Yezu booth, which always had at least 3,700 people around it. It it was interesting trying to get through you know, when necessary, when nature called, etc. But other than that, we had a good time.
0: And since Yezu serves liquor to get people to come over to their booth, um, that was probably kind of
2: busy. No, they were trying to give away hats every now and then. They'd run out, and then another shipment would come in, and then there would be a mob of people lined up to get a free Yezu hat. I have to say
1: that they have one of the most uh, complicated and sophisticated setups I've ever seen at any kind of a conference before. You have to understand that their their setup and and their – equipment and the people that they had and the equipment they used just to bring the equipment in was probably 10 times more sophisticated than the building they had you know than the the arena itself i mean they had like scissor lifts and forklifts and their whole booth was about you know they they had about 10 or 12 booths i think and their everything was carpeted and it it looked like they could have been
2: you know an apple store but for yezu yes it was quite the display i um I remember from two years ago, too, they had just as sophisticated a display as they did this year. Kenwood didn't do too bad either. Uh, they looked pretty impressive uh, with everything, and so did ICOM, I have to admit. They they all did a fine job and, and had lots of stuff to look at and play with and talk about. I'm not sure uh, if, the, if the folks that were manning all the booths were uh, all that ham radio savvy, but uh, they all did a, a fine job attracting spectators and interested parties and in their new wares. I think they all had something new to display.
1: Yeah, I know there was a lot of talk about the different equipment that was coming out that was sort of new to the ham radio community that everybody was a buzz about. Some in some cases, I think in Kenwood's case there was a there was a radio that had come out that hadn't even been given a product ID yet that they were showing off. Uh that's how new and cutting edge the, the things that they they were bringing out were i also want to say that there was one place i can't remember who but they had brought like a hundred of their handy talkies and were gone within like you know seconds <laughs>
2: of them being there was uh, that that uh chinese outfit i think right mm-hmm. they that had the affordable two meter handy talks and i heard about it i never saw them yeah they were selling them for like you know
1: or some, you know, ridiculous price for a handy-talkie, and apparently they sold out, like, uh, you know, if it had been any faster, it would have created a small black hole inside the building. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) That was one of the big things folks came back here talking about was uh, this cheap handheld that they were, cheap Chinese handheld they were selling up there.
1: Yeah, apparently it was uh, completely feature-packed and could do everything you could imagine a two-meter handheld could do. And they were selling it at such a cheap price that it wasn't even clear how they were able to manufacture it for what they were selling it for. And like I said, they just sold out instantaneously. And, I, of course, I heard about it at the end of the show. So, <laughs> you know, it didn't help me out any.
0: When Russ had finally sold enough to sold enough stuff to be able to afford something, he, he couldn't go get what he wanted.
2: Yeah, the company I think was Wuxon. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. W-O-U-X-O-N. You do, and you'll get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Wuxon sounds good. Hey, in,
0: inexpensive Chinese labor. Everybody should have some.
2: <laughs> I'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's an interesting in, little radio. I'm. I'm sorry, I missed seeing it in person. Wuxan radios, two meter handhelds brought to you by labor dot com.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> also see their sister site ToilingInTheFields.tv. TV. Poiling in the Fields TV. Uh, some of this is going to have to go. <laughs> see, I keep see, I keep breaking y'all's rhythm. Y'all get going good, and I keep speaking up.
1: Okay, well what? we've uh, we've talked a little bit about Dayton, and I actually had some audio that I recorded. I wasn't able to do any interviews or anything like that because we were just too busy. But I recorded some soliloquies while I had some free time, and I guess what I'll do since we're talking about Dayton is I'll play those now. And hopefully they won't take too long. And when we come back, we'll uh, chat with Bill and Richard some more about Dayton. We'll do a little music, and then we'll move on to something else. So here's a little taste of Dayton from Dayton itself. Hello, and welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack, broadcasting live to tape from the Dayton Hamvention, May 14th, 2010. It's currently about 1130 in the morning, and we finally got totally set up here. Things started a little tough yesterday when we showed up later than we thought we were going to be because of the one-hour time difference we completely forgot about. We started to set up, and the folks from the convention came around to our booth and said, you guys are going to be ready in five minutes to leave, right? And we looked at our watches, thinking we still had an hour to go. And, of course, we only had a couple of minutes. So we threw everything under the booth table, took off for the evening, found out that we didn't have any power cords or any and or any of the other things we needed to set up with. So, two trips to Walmart later and we finally had all of our equipment and we spent the first 2 hours of the hamvention while wander, you know, while dealing with people wandering around and asking us questions and all of that trying to actually get the booth set up. So, we finally got that done and everything seems to be working pretty well. I finally got the audio equipment ready to go. The new mixer seems to be working quite well, and interest in our booth has been pretty good so far. We will be continuing to update you as things go on from the Hamvention and uh, look for updates uh, on various podcasts in the future coming out of Dayton. We have many, many hours of coverage to go, and we'll let you know how things progress. Thanks to everybody that we've seen so far and especially listeners of the program who have come by and said hello so with that I will sign off for now and uh, update in a few hours hello this is Russ from Linux in the Ham Shack again we are broadcasting live to tape from the Dayton Hamvention today is May 14th 2010 and it is now four forty-five in the afternoon we have had quite a day Dealing with all of the people who have attended the Dayton Hamvention thus far We've been told several times that the big day is tomorrow Saturday May 15th And that today was just sort of an introductory course and we should get ready for the flood gates to open Come tomorrow morning 9 a.m. So far we have met many new uh, friends of the show who say they're going to listen after the Dayton Hamvention is done We have talked to many friends of the show. Bill, K9WKA, has come by. About a half an hour ago, we talked to the folks who do the Low SWR podcast, KD0BJT, that'd be Richard, and KD0BJS, Brady. And we had a nice conversation with them. Uh, Matt, KCABEW, who is the one who started our intentions of going to Dayton came by several times, and he is actually over at the ARRL booth uh, manning the situation over there for them, or at least partially so. So far at Dayton, I've done considerably more talking than I have at the Ohio Linux Fest. It seems that ham radio operators are a lot more interested in chatting than those who are interested in Linux and Linux alone. And at this point, at about an hour until the show is over, my voice has just about burned out, but I still have enough To get in a little bit of a report here. Along with me in the booth this year we have Cheryl who has been a longtime listener of the program and is also my significant other. She's been sitting here and experiencing Dayton along with everybody else and she has a microphone in her hand and is going to give us her perceptions of Dayton for the first day so far.
3: Hi, this is Cheryl. I'm at the 2010 Dayton Hamvention this is our first experience at Dayton. It's been an interesting experience, to say the least. Um, the crowds this morning were fairly thick, but it's now uh, calmed down quite a bit. Um, and this is, this is something that I think uh, Linux and the Ham Shack has been a, a positive influence at. Uh, several people have said that they are going to definitely check out the podcast, so that's cool. So, and I'm meeting lots of new people that I've seen uh, in the chat room uh, when the podcast has re- been recording, and this is just uh, definitely a new experience for me. So, I look forward to see what tomorrow's like because I said it's going to be insane. So, anyway, um, back to Russ. All right,
1: thanks very much for that, and we will have a future update either a little bit later in the day here before we check out for the evening or starting again first thing tomorrow morning. Saturday opens up at 9 a.m., and it's supposed to close down around 5 a.m., though what we learned from this morning is that people start showing up well before that, and if you want a parking space within two miles of the convention center, you better get here early, early, early. So if you're someone who's coming in for next year, just keep that in mind. So we will talk to you all in a little bit. Hello and good afternoon to everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX, broadcasting live on the second day of the Dayton Hamvention 2010. This is late in the afternoon. It is 4.30 p.m. And because everything was so busy today and the fact that we had hundreds and hundreds of visitors to the booth, we have not had a chance to broadcast anything from... The first time we got here this morning until now. Everything is finally clearing out just a little bit. We are watching some of the booths nearby us. And most of the people have deserted us for the afternoon. The Hera Arena in Dayton, Ohio will close at 5 p.m. today. And so far, we have had a lot of fun. We had Rob... From the Ohio Linux Fest stop by and give us a bunch of Ubuntu 10.04 CDs to give away their promotional CDs that were put together by the Ohio Linux Fest. We happen to brand the cases with our own name to go along with the business cards that we have set up. And we started out with about 500 business cards this uh, yesterday morning, and we are down to what looks like about 40. We have four hours of the show to go tomorrow, so I'm not sure that we're actually going to have enough of these CDs and enough of these business cards that we have left to go around, but we will stretch them as far as we possibly can. Most of the people who have stopped by have had a little bit of interest in Linux and maybe have used it a time or two. Most of them hadn't used it in years or more. We were able to get several people interested in the program. I would say at least 100, maybe more. We had several visitors who already listened to the podcast. Many of the call signs that showed up were not people we recognized. Uh, We even had G3ZTB from Leeds in the United Kingdom come up, and we chatted with him both days, both yesterday and today, probably for... Fifteen minutes each time. He's a very avid listener of the program, and we really appreciate. It. And we really appreciate having him come by and introducing himself and telling us all about how he uses Linux and his interest and his interest in the program. We have had such a good time here at the Dayton Convention. It's uh, amazing to see all of the people who have come from all over the world. We've had several VK calls. We had a PY call. We had an I-8 call that I re- that I remember from yesterday. So there isn't a point on the globe that someone hasn't shown up at the show from. Uh, they all have either come here strictly for this or they had something to do and were passing through Dayton on the way. That's what G3ZTB was doing. He had a, an appointment with some friends over in Boston, and he decided to go to Boston from the United Kingdom by way of Ohio. My voice is a little bit shot today, so I may sound a little bit strange. Plus, of course, there's a little bit of ambient noise in the room tonight, but we are just about to close down the booth for the evening. We have four hours to go on Sunday from 9 to 1, and we are looking forward to closing out the show and uh, giving away the rest of our stuff and doing the promotion we've been doing, and I am sure we have garnered a lot more listeners to the program, and I hope that everybody who stopped by the booth recognizes that we really appreciate meeting and talking to everyone and we hope everyone had a wonderful time here in Dayton so I'm going to sign off for now so thanks everybody who's a listener of the show and everybody new who we've met at Dayton and we hope to have you listeners stick around with us for as long as we decide to do the show which all things being equal will be a very long time indeed for Richard who couldn't make it and for Cheryl, who's been my wonderful companion for the entire program, and for myself, Russ for K5TUX, we will sign off from the Dayton Hamvention 2010. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, well, that's all the audio I managed to get recorded out at Dayton. Unfortunately, I would have liked to get some interviews and so on, but we were so busy talking with the people who were milling around and visiting our booth that we just didn't have time. We've got some voicemails from uh, folks at Dayton who called in after the fact that we're going to play a little bit later in our feedback section. But right now we're going to jump back to Dayton to the part of the show that I didn't get to see any of, which was the outside vendor exhibits. And uh, we're going to rely on Bill for this because I
2: assume you actually got outside some. So what, what was that like? Oh, it was great. Um, there were lots and lots of uh, tables set up and tents as far as you could see. Uh, I think there were more there than one. I was there two years ago. At least it seemed that way to me. Uh, We spent the better part, I think, of an afternoon walking around, and I'm sure we didn't see everything. We kept uh, getting lost, I think, and and doubling back and then forgetting certain areas. But it it was fun. Um, I think I saw more radios out there for sale than I saw a couple years ago and some nice-looking equipment, too, everything from relatively recent HF rigs to some of the antique stuff tube stuff, you know, old Collins and Drake gear, that kind of thing. Um Halicrafters, I I seem to recall. It, it there were everything was well represented, uh as well as the typical flea market stuff you see at almost any ham fest, but there was a lot more radio equipment, test gear, and that sort of thing. Um, even some guys selling various kits. Uh Far Circuits was there and had a tent set up. I bought a circuit board for a uh, uh, an ICOM cib interface computer interface uh which i've assembled but haven't gotten working yet um one of these days i will will get it to work i can tell that it, it's almost there it's just not quite right so i don't i don't know what exactly the problem is but i'm going to get that sorted out pretty soon um what else comes to mind
1: uh, so is that the only thing you saw that you couldn't live without or was there a few were there a few other things
2: Oh, I bought a few other things, uh, a couple of little books. Um, I, and I didn't buy anything particularly major. I had already kind of uh, exceeded my radio budget for the year earlier in the year, so <laughs> I uh, had to restrain myself a little bit. I was hoping to see Heights Towers there, because uh, I was seriously considering putting in a tower this year, but I'm going to postpone that, I think. But they were not there uh one of the tower vendors though is called um i think it was Aluma tower and uh my buddy was very interested in their wares and uh those nice folks spent a good 15-20 minutes talking to us uh, about it and were very knowledgeable and helpful uh as were all the vendors that we that we met and talked with uh My buddy bought a uh, 43-foot vertical antenna, HF antenna, from DX Engineering, and he's already got that up and running and is delighted with its performance. So uh, we did all right. Well, that's good. There were
1: times when I felt like I would have loved to be able to walk around, and there were times where I felt overwhelmed by the whole thing and just being in our booth space where I was kind of glad that I didn't have to. Next time I'll probably try and split it up a little bit. Uh, get out to see some of the event, and also promote the show and the open source philosophy and all the things that we were there to do originally. I, I would like to get out there and see, and hopefully by next May, I will have a uh, large chunk of change I can drop on something cool. But <laughs> we'll see oh, yeah, how It's that always fun
2: out. if you can spend some money. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with with all that merchandise lying around, you got to buy something. That's right. Well, and and if I can help out, I'd be happy to. If you need somebody to man the booth for a couple hours, I wouldn't mind. Oh well, we definitely will take you up
1: on that. I, li- I like the sound of that. And of course, if we could, if Richard had showed up, then it wouldn't have been a problem. But
0: actually, I'm I'm trying to find a woman to uh, help me breed a small blonde child so I can sell them to come up that way next year. <laughs> hey man, this close this close to the border, blonde headed, blue eyed children bring lots of money.
1: Okay, so you've heard it here, folks, that next next year the booth will be in the care of a nine-month-old. <laughs> uh, oh, but <laughs> I told you I was going to sell it.
0: <laughs> oh, I
1: see. You're going to sell it for the plane fare? Is that the idea?
0: It's like you're in the room with me.
1: It's like I'm in the room with you.
0: I'm, you I mean, was, uh, on such the same wavelength, I was just thinking that I should do that.
1: Oh, okay. Yes, it, it scares me that I have a thought that concurs with anything you think.
0: And there you have it. I have my own, I have my own process, but um, we digress. Uh, what's his name? Bill. Bill.
2: <laughs> How <laughs> quickly they forget. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you
0: go. Actually, uh, this past weekend. This past weekend. Two weekends ago, uh, shortly after Dayton, I was talking to a guy that uh, lives down here local on D Star, and we were actually discussing uh, Hamcom, which was going on that weekend, which uh, where Dayton's is like the national convention for the league and all that good stuff. Hamcom's the uh, West Gulf Division convention. And it's probably the biggest operation I've ever been to myself. And he was talking about how it had, it was sad and kind of small and all this other stuff. And, yeah, it used to be a lot larger, the flea market area and that kind of stuff. But I've seen the drop in things down here. Has there been a drop in attendance as far as the flea market type stuff up there at Dayton? I know the big vendors are there. They're down here for our show, too. But uh the flea markets have kind of dropped off as far as – uh Well, HamCom's concerned anyway. How was it out at Dayton again?
2: I thought it was terrific. As I said earlier, I think it looked bigger to me this year than it was two years ago. Um, I'm not sure if that is fact or just my poor recollection, but it certainly seemed like it was filled to near capacity out there in the parking lot. Um, And there was lots of foot traffic, and the weather was very cooperative. It was gorgeous that weekend, so it it was very amenable to everyone getting outside and and visiting all the, the tables and whatnot that were set up out in the parking lot. Uh, it it looked like it was well intended and and people were buying stuff. So I think they did okay.
0: Well, good. Um, maybe that it
2: says that the
1: the flea market part was huge. She actually wandered outside a couple of times because there was a food vendor just outside the main or the back door, I should say. Uh-huh. And uh, once you're out there, you kind of get a a good overview of the flea market portion of the show in, in back of the arena, which is where most of everybody was. And I know we had to dodge all kinds of stuff when we drove in to unload our, our truck. And that, and that was before the you know that was the day before the show even opened. So I, I know there was a ton of stuff going on out there, but uh, just didn't get a chance to see any of it.
0: And I know they weren't serving crustaceans out there, or. Russ would have been in the Dayton Police Department holding cell. All right. <clears throat> uh, Cheryl said uh, Kenwood had a pretty good booth out there. Did uh,
2: either one of y'all stop at the Icon booth? Uh, not very long. I, I certainly walked past it several times. Um, they were always quite busy with folks. It was in uh, the main building, with uh, which is where they usually are, I think, um, occupying most of a corner. And, uh, yeah, they were always mobbed uh, several deep with with uh, folks interested in what they had on display. As I recall, one of the rigs they had there in prominent display was a uh, camouflage rig. I think that was supposed to be a mobile uh, HF rig of some sort. It was fairly interesting.
0: Oh, that's so you can lose your radio in the woods.
2: I think so, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, for all y'all listening, uh, y'all don't get me wrong. I'm a diehard Kenwood fan myself. I I'm, uh, I started out on Kenwood radios. I love Kenwood radios. There's just been some strange and odd quirks of fate that ended me up with a, a Yaesu HF rig and uh, Icom uh, mobile rigs. But, you know, you want to find those things out. What was the most interesting thing you ran across out there,
2: Bill? That's hard to put my finger on. Um, <laughs> Stick him on the spot there, Richard. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> I should have I should have studied Uh, One of the things that always fascinated me were the uh, Bagali Morse code keys. Uh, He's an Italian fellow that's just a master machinist, and his Morse keys are works of art. Um, I always enjoy looking at those and and not really even desiring one so much because my Morse skills are so poor, but I'd never be able to use one to its advantage. But they are just lovely to look at and and see in in person. I quite enjoyed that. Um, There is a tower company whose name is escaping me. I want to say it's something like Lumo or something like that. That's probably wrong. I'll look it up and and get it right for the show notes. But uh, they had an enormous tower there uh, in the hall, not, of course, standing up and and extended, but uh, just laying there on, uh, on its side was quite impressive to see. The thing was enormous. So there, there, there was a little bit of everything, uh, from uh, kits to fully assembled rigs to die for. Um, Elacraft was doing a good job; they were always busy. I liked uh, looking at their stuff. Those are the ones that, that that come to mind first.
0: Well, there, there you go. Um, I mean. I imagine just about everybody that has anything to do with amateur radio in any way, shape, form, or fashion is out at Dayton. And that's probably why it takes a couple of days to see it all. Uh You know, down here in Texas, we don't do things as big as we might want to assume. Well, Russ, did you ever get out of the booth long enough to, to find something that was the most exciting thing you ran across? No, unfortunately, I really didn't. I didn't get out to any
1: of the exhibition at all. I, I walked by several things, but I never got a chance to even stop and look.
0: Well, Russ was busy networking. He's a social butterfly.
1: <laughs> That's right. I'm something like that. I'm very Kafka-esque. Or <laughs> <laughs> And somehow I think that if uh, someone psychoanalyzes the comment I just made, they're going to think really bad things about me. But I have no, I didn't get a chance to look at anything. I really didn't.
0: Psycho. Psycho is an active word here at Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, yes, psycho brought to you by www.psycho.info. www.psycho.info. Uh, psychoanalysis, psycho whatever and stuff. And a little Norman Bates. oh i see (laughs) uh the slave labor in the chat room says that uh you had her chained to a post behind the table let me me see if i got all this chained to a post behind the table and you were charging people a dollar to flog her
1: is that correct he charged me two dollars ah That's because we had to watch your stuff while you were out at the exhibition.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It helps to have friends in high places. (laughs)
0: Well, see, that's interesting. That's something I I wanted to ask about, too. Uh, What kind of... um, Cheryl says y'all were really busy at the booth. What was going on at the booth? I mean, uh, more than what you've already... uh, Already expanded. Oh, know you had above. several
2: fans stop by and say hello, and you also had folks that uh, never heard of us before stop by and ask what it was all about. So even though the location could have been better, I think you were doing all right.
1: Yeah, we did We did really well, actually. We, it was pretty much nonstop traffic. I mean, when there, when there was a lull, it was never more than a minute or two, and we always had someone to talk about. And, we'll, you know, back in the audio that we played a little while ago, you can hear that I pretty much had no voice by the end of it. 'Cause we just did nothing but talk about Linux and open source and give out those CDs from OLF and just promote the heck out of everything. And I know by by the time Sunday night and Monday morning rolled around I didn't want to do any more talking. And
0: that's pretty <laughs> much all we did. But we did a lot of it. Wow. Now see y'all gonna make me all misty and stuff.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> one one thing I want to do is probably wrap this up and take a break. We will play some music, and on the other side, we do have a little bit more of Dayton we want to get to. Uh, the first is we have a voicemail from a visitor to our booth that we we'll want to play and address because he has a very good question, and we want to let everybody know the answer to that question. We want to thank everybody who stopped by the Dayton Hamvention and stopped by our booth. Uh, you all made it worth it. And thank everybody again for the donations that we received that got us there. I mean, that was the most important thing. All of our listeners were really helpful and what's the word I'm looking for? Really charitable. Thank you for sending us out to Dayton and letting us have a good time and promote the show and all that. And, uh, everybody who gave us money was up on our banner. There are some, uh, pictures of the booth floating around on Flickr and Facebook and various other places. So if you search for us, you'll find them and maybe you'll see your name out there, but we're going to take
2: a little musical break and, uh, I I heard Bill's mic pop, like he might want to say something. I wanted, while I'm thinking of it, to mention that my friend is an uh, amateur videographer, and I know he took some video of you while we were there, and I've got to bug him the next time I see him to see if he's got that ready. I was going to ship that off to you. Okay, that would be great. If you can find out where that is or have him send it to me and we'll get it posted somewhere
1: so people can look at it, that would be a wonderful thing. I don't remember being videotaped at any point, but... Uh, like I said, there was a lot going on, so I don't really remember half of what was happening anyway.
0: Kind of depends on whether Dayton's in a dry or a wet county. Uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, from what I saw, Dayton was in a wet county.
0: Well, there you have it.
1: But anyway, we're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, we've got a voicemail to do from Dayton, and we are going to have our Dayton drawing. I know it's a little later than we said it was going to be, but we're going to give away a couple of Linux in the Hamshack hats, a couple of Linux in the Hamshack t-shirts, And the grand prize of an Elenco DJ 175T 2 meter handy talkie. So we'll do that on the other side
0: of the music. Y'all come back to Linux and Hat Shack. Is picking that fabulous, fabulous music again? I don't know where he gets it all, but uh, at least I don't have to pick it. So, <laughs> what we got now, right? We'd be listening to the blues
1: if you picked it.
0: Not necessarily. Or I could do some of that throat singing thing like they were doing on uh, Big Bang Theory the other night. <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> Th- hey, throat singing's kind of cool if you if you're doing it right. <laughs> Can you do it wrong? I don't know because i I, mean, <laughs> I don't know enough about it. I guess
0: sounded like a rat that had, sounded like a rat that had found himself locked up in the x lax factory overnight <laughs>
2: I, I hope everybody realizes wah, that whoa
4: who <laughs> <wah>, boy
1: <laughs> Bill just disparaged every throat singer in the universe, so Send all the hate yeah. mail to me. K9WK and LHS podcast on it. You, you heard it here first. Well, I've got a voicemail. I've got a voicemail. You know, trying to keep our train from derailing just yet. I was wondering
0: if you got a shot for that.
1: Yeah. I've got a voicemail from a visitor to our booth at the Dayton Hamvention, and I'm going to play it right now, and then we're going to talk about it. So here it is. Hi, the name
0: is Hal Mandry. And, uh, after Dayton uh, hand benching, I picked up a, uh, uh, Ubuntu, I guess is how you pronounce it, disk that, uh, the gentleman had there. And, um, I'm, I'm new, totally new to Linux, but I'm wanting to play with it. I'd like to know how to install that to a flash drive, like thumb drive. Uh, played around with it a little bit, I, I don't seem to be able
1: to figure it out here, so. Thanks a lot. bye I'm going to go through the quick and dirty way of installing on a, and a USB thumb drive from a Linux machine because he had the, he had the CD that we gave him of Ubuntu okay. 10.04. So we're going to do it the easy way. Here's the easy way. Gentleman's name was Hal, by the way. So, Hal, here's the easy way. You put in that live CD and you start it up in live CD mode, in the try it mode. When it boots up, you stick your thumb drive... In the USB port on your computer. When you do that, you start. You know, you log in, which I believe it does automatically in the in the trial mode. But you get logged in, and in your taskbar up at the top, you click on System, and you go down to Administration, and you select Startup Disk Creator. When the Startup Disk Creator comes up, it will show your disk to use as your USB thumb drive, and you'll have um, a source disk image or CD. So you'll have to click the other button, and you'll have to select your CD-ROM drive, which will probably be listed as slash dev slash SR1, more than likely. It might be slash dev slash SCD0 or slash dev slash SR0, but more than likely it's going to be the only one you see. You then go ahead and click on erase disk, under Disks to Use that will erase your thumb drive and make it suitable for booting up once you get this thing installed. And then down at the bottom right, you click on Make Startup Disk. If I remember right, on a typical USB thumb drive, takes less than five minutes to copy all the files and set up the bootloader and all that kind of stuff. And then you just plug your your disk in, your USB thumb drive, reboot your computer, and it should boot. Now, you may have to tweak your BIOS a little bit if it's a slightly older computer to tell it that you want USB drives to be able to boot the system, and you may have to tweak your hard disk settings to put your thumb drive above your you know, internal hard drive in priority. But once you do that, it should boot off the thumb drive and should run just normally. And that, that's like the easiest way to do it from that demo CD that you received at the Dayton Hamvention. If, you know, you have any further questions or you need a specific bit of instruction on any part of those steps, just go ahead and email us at info at and we'll see what we can do about getting you a specific walkthrough for any problems you have. Uh, so that that's about it for me. Anybody else got any comments about that?
0: Well, that sounds pretty straightforward, and that is, it, that's very good. However, he might even try going out, even if he's got a Windows machine, and taking a look at Unet Booting. Unet Booting. And uh, that would allow him to uh, uh, get that installed over onto the drive. Don't shake your head at me. <clears throat> I'm
1: trying to make this easy for him.
0: Well, the, the other way is stick the disk in and hit install yeah that's great
1: if if he wants to you know dual boot if he has space to dual boot or if he wants to wipe out his existing partition, which is most likely windows, but we don't that's want him a, to do that
0: he don't need no windows anyway,
1: but if he does do that, hate mail goes to k b five j b v at gmail dot com
0: no k nine w k a dot org <laughs> no we won't saddle bill with that one <laughs> Please remember, when you're trying to install them to a thumb drive, uh, a lot of times it may look like you're doing something wrong, but there are some thumb drives that you're not able to uh, uh, set up to boot, so you might want to check into that also. And there is a website out there that uh, lists some of the ones that are compatible as opposed to the ones that aren't. So. uh Make sure before you purchase thumb drive, you research them a little bit before you go to attempt to do that. And now I'm finished running my head. Say something,
2: Bill. Well, and and the other piece of the puzzle is a BIOS uh that is capable of booting from a USB drive. Not all of them will. I've got some older hardware here that uh, it uh they have USB ports, but they haven't a clue how to boot from them.
1: Yeah, and I would like to add... Um, I, I did mention that about, you know, switching your BIOS settings if it doesn't happen to read the USB thumb drive by default. And in some instances I've seen where in the boot order you have to select an external device or a USB device or something like that. But I had trouble with that at Southeast Linux Fest with a an Asus triple EPC that I was using because I set it to boot from external drives and it still wouldn't boot
2: from the thumb drive. So Yeah re- oh, mine will, but you have to bang on the escape key as the splash screen first starts when you power it on, or it won't look for it. Now, see, I had to go one step further than that. I had to change two things in the BIOS.
1: One was to allow for external boot devices, which actually didn't matter, because the Asus AAA PCs that I've got have an external device built in. They have an SD card slot, right. and when you say external device, that's what it thinks. However, if you have a USB drive installed on the thing, it shows up in the BIOS as a hard drive. So what you have to do is go into the, the hard drive boot order and put the USB hard drive first. Okay. So that it sees that first and tries to boot from it first before it goes to the internal hard drive. So you may have to tweak around with your BIOS a little bit, but you it can be made to work. And like I said, Hal, if you have a specific issue, just go ahead and email us and we will try and work through it for you. But otherwise, it's a pretty straightforward thing to install on a thumb drive these days. I mean, it's particularly with netbooks and smaller devices, that's one of the ways that booting is usually done these days because computers typically don't have CD-ROM drives or DVD-ROM drives.
0: Well, I was also looking uh, while you all were talking a while ago. There's uh, quite a few websites out there that uh, concern, that are concerned with the issue of uh, making bootable thumb drives, and that's what we're boiling down to here is uh, uh, getting getting that Linux on there and getting it to boot. So uh, you may want to try some of these. Uh, I guess you were handing out Ubuntu out there. Is that what you were handing out? We were
1: handing out Ubuntu 10.04, the Lucid LucidLynx version, the very latest Ubuntu. Yep, uh, just the desktop version, and I think it was the i386 version. I'm pretty sure it was.
0: Yeah, and that that's the whole deal in fact over at Ubuntu there's a there's a page that uh, gives some instructions and guidelines but once again I, I want to make sure I warn you and I've run into this myself because I've tried a couple of times to move some versions over to uh, a thumb drive and make it bootable uh, you need to make sure that you have one that can be made uh, to boot because some of them won't uh, doggone I don't even know what these are around here they're, they're the inex- inexpensive ones However, if you uh, go look in the uh, community documentation over to Ubuntu, and that's a good place to start since you're using that distro. And uh, they have a pretty extensive little install tutorial with links off to other places and stuff like that. It may give you all the information you need to get it onto that thumb drive and get it working.
1: All right. Well, I think that about wraps that up uh, several times over. I believe that dead horse is pulverized. Def- definitely could get it through a meat grinder easy now. Okay, so the last thing we're going to do about the Dayton Hamvention is do our little raffle drawing that should have been done several weeks ago, but it's going to be done right now on the air. And, raffles uh, with ridges. That's right. Raffles have ridges. There you and go. And they have badgers. Anyway, um, I've got Thanks. here... All of the raffle entries that we got, and I, I think even Bill's in here. So cross your fingers, Bill, because uh, you could win a radio. <laughs> so we're going to start off with the caps. we got two caps to give away. So I'm going to reach in here, and I'm shuffling around in the bag. You can probably hear it a little bit. I'm sure it's breaking the, uh, the squelch, so to speak, on my noise gate. I can uh, see it. It's just it. a good Foley effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm that good, yeah. I can okay. see it. You can see it. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Here's, uh, hopefully these all have call signs on them. I think we, uh, weeded out the ones that didn't qualify. So here we go. For the first cap, Linux in the Ham Shack, which we will, of course, mail to you, we have, uh, the call sign looks like, oh boy, this is one of those ones where I don't know. It looks like Kilo Charlie 9 Oscar Lima India, KC9OLI. So congratulations, KC9OLI. Assuming that's what that really is, <laughs> you just won a cap. So for the second one, let me go ahead and shake this up real good here.
0: All right. Our, our next winner is KB5JBV. KB5JBV.
1: I suppose I should have thrown an entry in just for you since you couldn't make it, but you, you had to be there.
0: No, I, I work for the work for the show.
1: You work for the show? Well, that's right. You can't you can't work for the show. Okay, so the second hat goes to Whiskey 8, Papa Juliet Whiskey. That's Paul, W8PJW. So, congratulations Paul on winning a cap. And thank you for visiting us at the Dayton Hamvention. I don't know if we talked to you or anything, but you certainly entered the contest, so. <laughs> okay, we got a t-shirt next. So, we go ahead and sh- dig down in here and kind of shuffle around and see what we got next. Okay, first T-shirt goes to K9LNX. Yeah, I wonder if they're a Linux user. <laughs> Kilo Nine Lima November X-ray. Uh, don't have a name on here, but I've got an email address. Of course, I'll look that up later. But anyway, congratulations, K9LNX, and hopefully, you're now a listener to the show since you stopped by the booth. Um, okay, we got one more, one more T-shirt to give away. Then we've got the grand prize. I'll dig down in here, trying to make this fair.
0: Press has really come a long way over the last two years. He's lost all his bashful.
1: All my bashful? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the second T-shirt. Goes to Whiskey Delta Eight Echo W D Eight E. So, congratulations to you, and thank you for stopping by the booth at the Dayton Hamvention. And maybe we'll get to see you next year if we didn't happen to get a chance to talk to you this year. Okay, I'm going to shake this bag up really good because this is for the big one. This is for the radio. want to make sure that everybody gets a chance at this. So the grand prize for this drawing was an Elenco DJ175T, which is a full 5-watt, 2-meter handy talkie. Damn. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. <laughs> See what you miss when you don't show up. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and hopefully we won't pick Bill on this because everyone will think it's rigged, but let's see. (laughs) Sorry, Bill. (laughs) No problem. I would think
2: it was rigged, too, if I won.
1: (laughs) Then I'll tell a story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's see what we got here. Okay, the winner is November 4, Kilo Mike Charlie, N4KMC. So congratulations on winning the radio, the DJ175T from Elenco. And thank you for stopping by the booth of the Dayton Hamvention and entering our drawing. And thanks to everybody who participated. Those are our winners. So we'll be sending out prizes shortly to everybody who won. Thanks again.
0: Now, see, it's funny Bill should say that. Because when I was exiting office at the Ham Association of Mesquite the night we had the election and stuff, uh... Yeah, I couldn't run again because, uh, we only allowed two terms and the election was over. And at the very end of the evening, we had, uh, drawing on a raffle that had been going on for eight months. Because every time I tried to start a raffle around there, they, they decided that they wanted to, uh, try and spread out some four or $500 thing over a 50 member club, which, uh, needless to say makes ticket sales sluggish. And I'd be doggone if I didn't win, because there were twenty t- there were twenty tickets left, and I, I was tired of waiting on it, and I wanted it to be done before I left office permanently. So I bought the last twenty tickets, and I'd be doggone if I didn't win. That's how I got my first D Star radio. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not. So there you go. All right unfortunately we couldn't afford
1: anything like a d-star radio to give away but you know a two meter handy talkie is nothing to sneeze at i guess
0: actually to tell you the truth a handy talk is nothing to sneeze at in fact uh you guys y'all going over to rfpodcast.info and check out episode number 25 okay so uh i had to get that in it'll probably be badger, badger 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 when it comes out but that's okay. If you want to hear the real deal, check out the streaming. I'm sure it's somewhere, somehow, some who. Yeehaw.
1: I think this badger thing is really gonna take off and the best part about it is I can use it for anything you say. It doesn't have to be, you know, a swear. I can just say, yeah. you know, I don't like what he's talking about. And your whole your whole spiel is just gonna be badger badger, <laughs> badger, 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 badger.
0: <laughs> Sad part is he already cuts out my dramatic pauses.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I kind of have to though because the show would be about thirty minutes longer if I didn't.
0: I <laughs> will fix y'all here.
1: <sighs> I'm gonna even, I'm gonna even bleep out stuff that you don't say. I'm gonna put Badger in those dramatic pauses like you're just cussing at me. Badger.
0: <laughs> could be worse. I could be talking about beavers and squirrel covers and everything else, y'all, and that'll be Badger, 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 Badger. <laughs> Okay, well I had I had big plans for
1: this episode like we were going to talk about the Southeast Linux Fest, but here's what we're going to do. We've got some more voicemails and we've got some more feedback that we need to get to to try and get this out of the way. So we're going to do that. And then what's going to happen is next episode we're going to we're going to roll Southeast Linux Fest and Field Day into an episode. So we're going to talk about that next time. So right now we're going to take another break. Because for some reason we are just going on and on and on. Hear that southern accent there, Richard?
0: I told you you've been spending too much time in the south.
1: Yeah, I'm doing it deliberately, just so you can think I'm becoming a southern boy or something. Now you just have to master the phrase "all y'all." All y'all? I say that all the time, anyway.
2: No,
0: all y'all. All y'all. One word.
1: All y'all. Yeah. Quickly. Like, uh, like stomach. Jeff Foxworthy says, "Y'all too." <laughs> oh don't even start on him (laughs) he's really from the south he's from freaking chicago he's from georgia chicago well whatever badger (laughs) anyway uh richard's going to take us into another musical break we're going to come back and do some
0: feedback badger 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 badger
5: They should have fought that fight till they got it right. Go blood in the night. They should have fought that fight till they got it right. Go blood in the night. They should have fought that fight till they got it right. Go blood in the night. They should have fought that fight till they got it right. Go blood in the night. Indians were living on the land. They only had a vision as to execute a plan. Loathing and believing that a higher force reign. Learning in their loyalty to compensate for pain. Sailing over oceans was the bringers of the end. Descendants of a government and nothing of a friend. In sickness and in poverty we crawl up on their shore. A weaker form of teaching, cause they knew there would be more. And the sad tune laugh as the bad things pass We light the fire, we smoke and we burn Cause even heaven won't help when a bad man yells on a post, they think by women he'll learn Even you and have loved this cantankerous drug It puts a felony flow to your charm Cause power and greed are a hateful obscene And it's you who's got to sound the alarm What the indians had said the land was getting crowded and the buffalo were dead they told a to wave of ignorance that swept over the land while hunting down the indians and trading Africans. the moral of the stories don't you tread on your friends they're there in their beginning and they'll be there in the end if something's don't take it cause you think it's up for grabs karma has a consequence and someone's keeping tabs. They got it right, cold blood in the night. They should enforce that fight till they got it right. Cold blood in the night. They should enforce that fight till they got it right. Cold blood in the night. They should enforce that fight till they got it right. Cold blood in the night, right, right.
0: and we're making a run down towards the ends of it uh bill's in here we're all excited russ is in here uh ted ted is like making snide remarks in the chat room and we're ready to go so what else we got russ i
1: think we're going to move on to feedback and i know you've got at least one so i'm going to let you do it first i thought we did feedback no we didn't do feedback i did one piece of feedback related to Dayton. we got other feedback russ is being mean to me i'm being mean to you that's right i'm making you work
0: well hell who the hell do you think you are my woman (laughs) <laughs> you wish. You don't even look like a <laughs> It's the hair, bro. It's the hair. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So the first one I got is from Randall. Randall KC four WZE. You can visit Randall over at W four Z E dot org. And Randall writes specifically to Russ. He doesn't even care about Richard because he everybody wants to abuse me. I don't know why. However, it says, Russ, I know that you got Richard a noisegate. No, he didn't. The Noisegate is uh uh thanks to one of our nice listener listeners. One of our nice listeners, James Gatwood. Uh James was nice enough to send us an old noise gate that he wasn't using and it is just absolutely kicking butt. Except in the case of where Randall is concerned, because he says I know that you got Richard a noise gate, and I don't hear his heavy breathing anymore. But still need, it still needs adjusting. I can still hear him rant and rave. Randall KC four WZE. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. Everybody's always picking on Richard. That's okay, though, because one of these days, I'll be dead and you'll be sorry. Take it away, Russ. I'm not touching that one. That was all about you. (laughs) It was addressed to you.
1: Yeah, it was addressed to me because he didn't want to get, you know, he he didn't want to hear you rant and rave. But, of course, we haven't tweaked your noise gate yet, so he's still going to hear it.
0: Well, you know, if I had a liquor store that was quick enough that I could drive there in five minutes and be back, you know, go out, slam the car door, drive out, be back about five minutes later. Yeah, we already did that story during the break. If y'all want to hear about it, y'all go to the streaming the stream, the, the stream feed, the uh, after dark thing with small furry critters and all that good stuff. That's right. So let me run through these real quick, and let's see if you got them. If you don't got them, you might got them. You, I don't know. We got to mention over at Linux Basement because, as you all know, not too long ago, Claudio, who has apparently gone on over there, and I haven't heard of Linux Basement in a while because Chad was slacking off. So go on over and check episode 57 of uh, Linux Basement. Apparently, they were all hanging out in the bar again, uh, just like last year, over at http.com. Uh, colon stroke stroke com. Now, I did two, and i got two more left, but they may not, may work. I don't know. Take it away, Russ.
1: Well, I want to thank Claudio for talking about us in episode 57 of the Linux Basement, which I just listened to today. He talks very, very highly of Linux in the Hamshack and his appearance on it in episode number 39. And he does a good job of stroking my ego. It was uh, well worth the listen, so everybody go check out the Linux Basement. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode. I hope everybody listens to it.
0: It's going to be huge-larious. hilarious.
1: It, it is. It is. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because um, I don't want to plug Chad Wallenberg and Claudio Miranda. That would be Chad at LinuxBasement.com and Claudio at LinuxBasement.com over at LinuxBasement.com. Anymore.
0: Well, I would hate to talk about Chad Chad Wallenberg and Claudio over there at Linux Basement at LinuxBasement.com because we really wouldn't want them to pick up that many more listeners. So whatever y'all do, uh, forget that we said anything about LinuxBasement.com.
1: Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't wouldn't want to drive too many people over to LinuxBasement.com because LinuxBasement.com is one of those things that we can't really vouch for. You know, there's some stuff over at linuxbasement.com that might might be a little unsettling for anyone under the age of 35.
0: Except for, except for where Chad is concerned, because he's really helped me out from time to time with Drupal.
1: Yeah, so don't go to linuxbasement.com or linuxbasement over at linuxbasement.com. Okay.
0: And our next Google Alert uh, showed up. uh, When did this show up? I guess it showed up this evening. Uh, It has to do with Southeast Linux Fest 2010 building strong and lasting connections. Now, I haven't had a chance to read the whole article, but uh, I do see that the... Whole, word, whole phrase, Linux in the Hamshack, is prominently displayed in the Google Alert. So y'all go over to www.geardiary.com and check it out. Have you had a chance to go take a look at that one yet, Russ? No, I have not. I'm not sure you even got that one. Ah, well, I have to, like, send you a link. Yes, please do. A link, a
1: link, a link. A link. I do it, I do it right now. Here, I, I know a good link. LinuxBasement.com.
0: Send it to LinuxBasement.com.
1: Right. I have a a Google alert here, too, where we are listed on a blog by WA0UWH. Did you get that one? No. No? You didn't get that? Well, he's he's linked to us on his blog, and we are going to link back to him uh, as soon as I get around to it, which will be very soon, I assure you. And that blog is at wa 0 dot com. So thank you, w-a-zero-u-w-h, for being a listener to Linux in the Shack. We really appreciate having you on board. And we also appreciate linuxbasement.com.
0: I hate Blogspot. It's very, very slow.
1: The Internet is very, very slow. The Internet is very slow.
0: No, Blogspot is very slow. And I don't see my call sign, so I'm angry.
1: Oh, Cheryl brought up that we need to mention the fact that we were mentioned at Network World magazine. Network Um, World magazine? Yes. Uh, We we weren't mentioned in the magazine, but there are bloggers for Network World over at, I believe, NetworkWorld.com. And one of them is Steve Spector, and he is a blogger for Network World. And he was at Southeast Linux Fest, and he mentioned Linux in the ham shack because we spent a lot of time talking to him while we were down there. And he wrote us up into one of his blogs over at networkworld.com. So thanks very much, Steve. It was good to see you. Oh, and Steve is uh, part of the XEN project, XEN, the Linux kernel-based virtual machine technology XEN. So he was talking a lot about that and promoting it at Southeast Linux Fest. So...
0: Not to be confused with Z-E-N, uh, which make, means you have to share your head, shave your head off and put on a sheet.
1: Right, and wear a kilt.
0: Kilts and batters.
1: Yes. Um, I have this one that I can do real quick, unless you've got one. Um not sure. I'm flipping
0: back and forth. Wait a minute. I got that big long one.
1: Yeah, let me do that, this one first.
0: That I'm embarrassed about. Go ahead.
1: Uh, this one's from uh, Don, WS4E, yet again. Uh, he sent us a comment on the website that says, What happened to the archives on Ustream? It almost looks like only every other episode is available. Do you have control over what they keep? And the answer is yes, I do have control over what they keep, but the real problem is I have no real control over the number of times that I actually record the episodes because most of the time I forget. So it has nothing to it has nothing to do with Ustream. It has to do with the fact that I never pressed the record button, and therefore there are very few archives over at Ustream dot com dot tv. And in this case, I actually recorded the first segment of the episode tonight and forgot to request or forgot to record the last two. So you're going to get a third of the show. Badger. Yeah. Sorry about that, but it's it's my bad, my fault entirely. Okay. What well, do you that's
0: got? Okay. That's okay. He got me one time this week over the other website, so. He's Equal Opportunity. <laughs> equal Opportunity Badger. C. Si. si. Donde es el badger. Yeah. Lo siento,
1: Don. Anyway, on to the next.
0: Let me get my book out. I don't know what you just said.
1: Oh, and the Network World thing, <clears throat> uh, back to Steve Inspector. Cheryl has posted the link in the, in the chat room. And for the benefit of Bill, who's going to put this in the show notes, The link is www.networkworld.com, stroke community, stroke (laughs) node, stroke
0: 62490. node. (laughs)
1: Stroke. Hadger. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Means he's using Drupal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where were we? Oh, really long one.
1: Yes. Oh, and uh, we got to mention again on uh, ad7mi.com's blog, ad7mi.
0: Thank you very much. Wow, that sounds like a James Bond picture. I'm trying it to get it. through these. <laughs> really, it does. What, eighty seven MI?
1: Yeah. Eighty seven MI. Yeah. Like Goldfinger and Octopusy. Uh, uh excuse me, Octobadger. Octobadger. All right. Bill we have we just are deteriorating fast. Yeah, Bill has just completely gone away. He's not even turning his mic on anymore. Bill are you there? I didn't want you to hear me typing.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> ah, clickety-clack takes us to the outlaws.
2: That's right. I'm not fab after all.
0: Clickety-clack, even though we get a click every time he fi- turns it on and turns it off.
1: That's right. I can edit out the clicks. Go ahead. You have a, you have feedback. Do it.
0: We got another one from Randall. This is the same guy that's casting disparaging remarks about Noisegate, which I guess is okay. Uh, that's why we give it away. Yeah, if we were charging money for it. Uh, we wouldn't take it anyway. Let's do something else. Uh, this one says, first, I, it, it labeled a question for each of you. First, a ham radio question for Richard. As I understand it, FSK, frequency shift king, is performed by shifting the RF frequency between two frequencies, including, excluding FSK 16, which is 16 frequencies. I believe that this is accomplished by the fact that when an AM carrier is mixed with an audio tone, there are three frequencies coming out of the mixer, the carrier, the sum, and the differences of the carrier and the audio tone. So, if I am on 28400 megahertz and I modulate the carrier with a 1000 hertz tone, I will get energy at 28400, 28.399, and 28. Point four oh one. If we suppress the carrier and the uh, lower sideband, then I will only transmit energy on 28401. I could, in essence, send CW on 28401 by adding and, and removing the 1000 hertz tone going into the single sideband modulator. My question is, what are the tones or the uh, frequency shift of FSK. If I were to use a thousand hertz and zero hertz, then power would only be transmitted on one frequency since the carrier is suppressed. If I used one thousand and two thousand, I would use a one, I would use a one thousand hertz of bandwidth since I would have energy on either twenty-eight point four zero one or twenty-eight point four zero two. If the show is too short, then go into an explanation of FSK sixteen. Well, let me since we have two fairly long paragraphs, let me respond to the first paragraph first. I was going. It's been a while since I've uh, really uh, fooled with that particular uh, aspect of uh, the hobby and I need to go back and study up so instead of giving you a bad answer uh, I'm going to take some time to research it a little bit so I can give you a good answer unless of course you were just trying to make me look bad like the noise gate uh, question earlier anyway so uh, now a question for Russ so pay attention Russ I'm paying attention I hear you talking about the relative sizes of one distro to another and it sounds like you are taking about bo- talking about both core memory as well as DASD. Now, I guess that if every possible device driver were statically linked into the kernel, then it could get quite large. But I was under the impression that device drivers were dynamically loaded as needed. I am not new to Linux. I loaded my first Linux about 20 years ago when it would run on a 286 because most people didn't have a 386. I had to uh, buy a SCSI card and drive so I could load it because most computers didn't have CD drives. And if they did, you needed to load operating system drivers to read from them. If you would explain what makes distros different, and help me understand how to choose one. I would like something that is not too different from MS MS Windows since that is where I spend my days, but I would like to like a full-featured GUI environment. I would like to play with some server functions like setting up a web server, DNS server, a router, a firewall, a DC, DHCP server, email server, etc. So, do I get Mint for its GUI or Slackware, for its server, or just get any of them and install what I need. Thank you for your efforts, both for these questions and the obvious effort you put in into the podcast. KC4WZE. P.S. I also had a five call. KA5SKE. When I was a novice, but had to get a forecall when I moved to Atlanta. When I became a ham, your show would have been TRS-80 in the ham shack because the IBM PC had not been introduced. No, it wouldn't, because I'd have put my foot down. And it'd been Commodore 64 in the ham shack. So there you go, Russ. Tackle your paragraph. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Unfortunately, this is a really complicated paragraph, and it could take forever to address. However, I will try and do it succinctly. The first thing is, when we're talking about the relative sizes of one distribution to another, I'm specifically discussing the on-disk footprint of the distribution as it's installed from its install media. You can make any distribution as large or as small as, in on-disk footprint and memory footprint as you want by tweaking it to your heart's desire. However, most of the distributions that start out smaller on-disk footprint also happen to have a smaller memory footprint. You know, Puppy, which installs in 100 megabytes, is going to have a smaller memory footprint than Ubuntu, which installs in 700 megabytes because there are fewer applications running It uses a lighter-weight desktop environment, and so on and so forth. So when it came to the discussion of which light distribution we were going to use, we were talking about distributions that require a smaller download, that use lightweight X environments, and which have both a smaller disk footprint and a smaller memory footprint. So hopefully that addresses that question. And then as far as the kernel is concerned, yes, most kernels come by default these days, broken down into modules which can be loaded dynamically into the running kernel. However, you don't have to have a kernel that works that way. You can use the kernel building tools to build a monolithic kernel, which only has the drivers you want in it or has statically linked every driver in the system. So you can have a kernel that is gigantic, you can have a monolithic kernel that's tiny, or you can have a kernel that's moderately sized, wherein you can link modules on the fly whenever you need them. And all of that just depends on how you set your system up. Most of the installations by default, like Ubuntu and Mint and Fedora and so on and so forth, which use some variant of the 2.6 Linux kernel, all do it modular. They... Include a subset of well-known drivers that are likely to load any kind of disk device, memory device, basic peripherals, and so on that you might have in your system. But you may have to enable other devices on your own. Or you may have to build external kernel modules to get some piece of hardware working or something else. Or you can eliminate the dynamic part of that entirely by statically linking all of the kernel modules that you know are necessary to run your system, and then you can get rid of all the rest of the modules and you can have a very streamlined kernel that doesn't require any dynamic linking whatsoever. That usually makes for a faster system. It also requires a lot of work. So it's just how you want to do it. So what makes distros different? By and large, it's the package manager that makes a distro different. First of all, whether the distribution has a package manager at all, which most of them do, but some distributions like Slackware and Gentoo suggest that you build most of your modules and your applications from source, whereas other distributions like Debian and Ubuntu uh, and Red Hat and OpenSUSE have well-defined package managers that allow you to install everything in binary format without having to compile stuff. There are package managers for Gentoo and Slackware, and you can build stuff from source on Fedora, OpenSUSE, and Debian as well. So, again, it's freedom of choice and what you want to do. So, to answer your question, how do you want to set up a system? Well, basically, the whole idea is freedom. Freedom as in your choice to do whatever you want, and in most cases, also freedom from cost. So if you want to take Ubuntu, there's a server version of that. If you want to use Slackware or Gentoo, those are basically designed as servers. But you can make any distribution a server. You can make any distribution a desktop. It's where you start from, where the distribution has elected to get its user base from, and how much work you want to put into it. If you want to make Slackware or Gentoo a a desktop machine, it's going to take some effort. If you want to make Ubuntu a server machine, it's going to take a little effort. If you want to do what the distributions were designed to do when they were put out and give you the applications they give you on your install media, things are going to be easier. Your life is going to be easier. So it's just a matter of how you want to do it. Pick the thing you like the best and make it as monolithic, as dynamic, and as suits you as you please. And there's my treatise on Linux as a versatile solution for your computing needs. Finn.
0: I don't use Linux myself. I use this thing called Badger OS. Ta-da. We've wore the Badger out, have we not? We have. All right. Yep. <laughs> the Badger
1: has plum died. You know where we're going to move to from here? Badger. Yes. The end of the show. We're done. No, I have one more. Uh, you better make it quick. We've gone a long time.
0: Okay, well, this one's also from Randall, KC4WZE. It just came in about uh, 20 minutes ago. Uh, and it says, I was yanking Richard's badger, which I appreciate that, Randall, because I know he he is a, a well-known badger, that is uh, that it could take a good badger. KC4WZE. I think Bill's dozed off again.
1: I think he has too. But on, you know, the thing of it is we have, we're not even caught up yet. We have a lot more to talk about and we have two topics for next, next time plus a lot of the feedback that we didn't get to. But unfortunately, we have just really run out of time. I mean, we, we're just going too long at this point. So it's time to wrap it up. So Bill, wake up and tell us about Bill. No bills uh, back because we heard the click. Yeah, we heard the little click. So if you want to, you know, tell them where they can email you or if you have a blog or anything you want to plug or if you just want to tell us to go to hell, or excuse me, go to Badger. Go ahead now. Badger. And there you have it. Okay, Richard, why don't you sum up?
2: (laughs) I'll give Chicago Area is looking for an IT manager. I need a job. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, where where can uh, they email you Chicago about that? Chicago is
0: looking for an IT manager. I need a job. So, like, call me first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so where can they email you those job
2: uh, opportunities to, Bill? Yeah, the thousands of opportunities that are going to come pouring in now. Yeah. Yeah, they can be mailed to Bill Gers, B-I-L-L-G-R-Z, Golf Romeo Zulu at Comcast.net. All right,
1: well, thanks a lot for being here, Bill. It's been a lot of fun, even though we put you to sleep there about halfway through.
2: No, I was it's... too busy dealing with the Badgers. I was wide awake.
0: Yes, Bill, thank you.
2: Okay, well, My you can. pleasure. Good yeah. night, guys.
0: <laughs> and i don't even know what the hell a nineteen manager does, but i'm richard k b five j b v uh down here in the basement of the bigfoot tipping international bigfoot tipping society uh in uh oh my gosh wisconsin and if you want to get in contact with me, you can send me an email at k b five j b v at gmail dot com k b five j b v at gmail dot com or follow me on twitter facebook Just about anything where people gather and congregate, I have some kind of account over there, whether I like it or not. I can tell by the undeleted spam in my mailbox. So... Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, yes, go on over to LHSpodcast.info, LHSpodcast.info, and check out what's going on with Linux in the Ham Shack. I just would like you to know that this show was brought to you by the International uh, Society for the Preservation of Badgers and and BurtonErnie.com the International Society for the Preservation of Badgers, Bert, and Ernie.com. Take it away, Russ. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. This is Russ. You can find me on the various social networks out on the Internet using J.R. Woodman. I'm also K5TUX at 73s.org. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. You can leave us feedback on the website. You can send email to info at LHSpodcast.info. You can also leave voicemail at 888 or at 417-200-4811. And we'll play your feedback on the air and respond to it unless you tell us not to. Make sure to check out the live streaming on the website. It's on the right-hand column, LHS Up All Night, where you can hear unedited and explicit versions of the podcast before I get my red pen out and start deleting stuff. Sign up for the mailing list. Go to http colon stroke stroke lists dot dot com stroke list or stroke mailman stroke list info and uh, I believe I'll put a link to that somewhere on the website but you go there and sign up for the Linux or the LHS podcast mailing list and it'll be low traffic but we'll just send you information about events that we're going to be at updates on the website updates for the podcast, so on and so forth, and we'll try to keep uh, spam down to a minimum. There will be no spam spam, but some people might consider email from us spam in general. Uh, Next time we're going to talk about the Southeast Linux Fest and Field Day. We're going to do the drawings from the Southeast Linux Fest for everybody who entered there. And we want to thank Bill for showing up on the podcast, K9WKA. Make sure to send Any IT opportunities you have his way in the Chicago area specifically. And once again, I would like to thank Dave from Gamma Leonis for providing us with the intro and outro music, which I don't do enough. And for the LHS promo he did a few months back that has been showing up on various other podcasts. So thanks to everybody. Thanks for listening. It's just about time to wind this thing down. Uh, Thanks for putting up with this extremely long, extremely ridiculous version of the podcast. And uh, Richard's going to take us home. This is Russ from Between the Peaks in the Pine Forest of north-central Arkansas.
0: And uh, we will see y'all next time The Secret Word is Platypus.